burdens to bear. Joyously singing with heart bells a ringing, oh, won't it be wonderful there? Walking and talking with Christ the supernal one, won't it be wonderful there? Praising, adoring the matchless eternal one, won't it be wonderful there? Won't it be wonderful there? Having no burdens to bear. Joyously singing with heart bells are ringing. Oh, won't it be wonderful there? There with the tempest will never be sweeping us. Won't it be wonderful there? Sure that forever the Lord will be keeping us. Won't it be wonderful there? Won't it be wonderful there? Having no burdens to bear. Joyously singing with heart bells are ringing. Oh, won't it be wonderful there? Bow with me. Most beautiful, loving, and gracious Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning, God, with thankful hearts for all the many, many blessings you've given us. We thank you for this season of summer that is coming and the warm weather. God, this weekend we are so thankful for our veterans here in this country many who are served and lost their lives and God many that have served and risked their lives overseas so that we can enjoy the freedoms that we have this morning to come and worship you and not only that God but to go out these doors and tell people about you I pray that we do that God God this morning we want to also say how thankful we are for our teachers here at the Boonville Church of Christ especially those that teach our young children we're so thankful for what they've been able to accomplish this last year and what they've done for our little ones to make it, to make sure that they get on off to a good start in lives and learning about you and your ways god we ask that you just please be with us this morning we pray that everything we say and do will be pleasing unto you and God, we just ask that you please forgive us where we failed you. We love you, Father, and we thank you so much for all that you do for us. In Jesus' name, amen. After the sermon, the Song of Invitation will be number 916 for those using your books. And before the song, if it is convenient, we ask you to stand. Uh, as we sing where the gate swing, swing out would never. <clears throat>
Chapter 2, verses 17 through 20. First Thessalonians, chapter 2, 17 through 20. But we, brethren, being taken from you for a short time in presence, not in heart, endeavored the more abundantly to see your face with great desire. Wherefore, we would have come unto you, even I, Paul, once and again, but Satan hindered us. For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Are not even ye in the presence of our, God, of our Lord Christ, Jesus Christ at his coming? For ye are our glory and joy. Good morning, everybody. It is terrific to see you, and I trust you had a great week this week. I've met some of you for the very first time, and wow, I'm just glad to make your acquaintance and hope that you will continue to come back and be a part of our worship and fellowship here. I have a couple of prayer requests that... I'm going to read for you, and then we'll be praying for them, and also we'll be praying about God's blessing on our time together in our study. This first one is from Pat Green. Dear church family, your thoughtfulness to Ricky and me is very much appreciated. Your unending prayers for me during my illness or what's brought 
what's kept me going and has healed me through God's healing touch. James 5.16 says, The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. I'm humbled by your fervent prayers for me. God has blessed me through each of you. Thank you so much. I'll be having surgery this Wednesday, and I ask you to continue praying that all will be well. Thank you again for your love and support. Pat Green. Kevin Cook is going to be having surgery also this week on Wednesday. And if you happen to be here for the morning service, you saw him in a sling. It's to repair torn tendon and carpal tunnel in his arm. Pray for successful surgery and quick healing. We will be praying for both of these here in just a minute. And I don't know if you noticed, but Connie Edge is here today with some of her family. If you did not hear, Adrian passed away earlier this week. And we, of course, we grieve with this family, but we also rejoice because Adrian is experiencing what he lived his life to experience. And he had the hope that we have. Isn't that true? Yes. So we are blessed at having known him and we anticipate a great reunion someday. Let's pray together and then we'll begin our study. Our Father in heaven, we thank you so much for the blessing of this day and for the opportunity that it is to be assembled here for the purpose of worshiping you in spirit and in truth. We pray, Father, that you will encourage us in what is right and put your word on our hearts. Father, we pray for these who are anticipating surgery this week. We're praying that their treatment will be a great success. And we have prayed earnestly for many months on Pat's behalf, and we continue those prayers. And while we rejoice and we praise you for all that you have done thus far, we are praying, Father, that you will bless her through the course of this surgery as well, that it'll be a great success and that her health will return to her. We also pray for Kevin as he is having surgery, and we pray that his surgery will also be a great success and that he will be able to retain full use of his arm. We're thankful that Connie is here and for the great example that she has lived before us of a faithful spouse in good times and bad, in sickness and in health. And we pray your blessings upon her and her family as they go through a difficult event today. But Lord, I just pray that you'll help them as they deal with their grief, that they can also rejoice in the knowledge of the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. We thank you for your word, and I pray, Father, that today you will inspire us to greater heights, particularly in regard to our desire to share your word with someone else, whether it be face-to-face 
or through some other means, I pray that this church from this place will in one way or another be able to touch the world. Thank you, Father, for all that you'll accomplish with us through your word today. Help me to communicate simply and effectively. And I pray for our hearers that even if, even if I'm a stumbling block to your truth, I pray that they can transcend that to know exactly what you want for them. And thank you for what you can work in us in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so tomorrow, Memorial Day, and all of us are thankful for lives that were spent in the seeking after and the protection of all of our freedoms. You probably have people in your family whose lives were lost as a result of their commitment in a military service. I certainly do. And I sympathize with anybody who's experienced any kind of loss, but we take consolation in knowing that the person who perished even in the exercise of their duty did so with a mindset that they were doing it to benefit others. That is a selfless act of great courage. Years ago when we lived in Chattanooga. There's a national cemetery there, and we always went to the national cemetery on Memorial Day. And we drove through those long rows and saw the, well, the stones, all of them practically identical, all of them white, lined up in formation at attention. A reminder that even though they had perished, but still there is the sense or the memory of a commitment to duty and standing at the ready, even in death. That always made an impression upon our family. And the image that's coming to mind right now really moves my heart. When we respect those who go the extra mile and put in the extra effort, then we are doing not, not just a duty, but we are in some ways offering our respect and our thanks for the sacrifice that was made on our behalf. This is also for us a mission Sunday. Jesus' mission to seek and to save the lost is our mission to seek and to save the lost. And whether you do that in personal Bible studies, one-on-one, -on -one, which many of you do, or whether we do that as groups, which some of us do, or whether you are actually one of those rare individuals who will get on a bus or get in an airplane and fly to a far off destination and spend time and money and effort to share the gospel with people you don't know and maybe even with people whose language you don't speak. Whether you use one of those modes or another, today is a day that brings to remembrance the responsibility that all of us have to share the gospel. 
In our collection today, all of the monies that are given are going to go directly for the purpose of our mission work as the Boonville Congregation. And whatever it is that you contribute into that collection is your part in the greater mission. Now, whether that helps supply those who do those face-to-face Bible studies in a private setting, or whether that is to go toward the support of those who hop in a van or uh, some other type of transportation and, and will go in our own country to reach the lost, or whether it is to supply funds for those who can get in a plane and go halfway around the world, whatever, whatever track that effort takes, when you contribute, you've become a part of that work. So that when the personal Bible study is done and a soul is saved, you've been a part of that. Or when someone does a local work with a group, you've been a part of that. Or when the gospel is spread to far off places, maybe it's carried by Wayne Barrier or John Pig, whom we heard from recently. When that gospel is preached and a soul is saved, what you did in financially supporting that work helped to contribute to a soul being saved for eternity. Now in that, I want us to do more than just simply think about the total of the contribution that was gathered. Or later, when that's put on a ledger line and you look at the budget, you see that we have so much in missions. I want you to think more than just the figure that's stated right there, when you see that annotated somewhere, I want you to think that is a part of what I do. And when that gospel goes out and it saves a soul, that is a connection for me. So that it's not just something that's happening out there. I want you, if you're participating in this, to think that it is something I'm involved in. I'm a part of that. The reason I want us to feel that way is because of what I find here in this text that was read for us a moment ago. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 17 to 20. Because in that text, Paul is addressing a situation that arose amongst a people that he had spent some time with and who had his heart. He had preached the gospel to them. They had responded and now there is a deep and abiding connection that has resulted. What was happening to them, he wanted so much to be a part of, but he could not as yet go to them. And so it just, it grieved his heart. I want us all to feel that kind of connection with whatever mission point we have in the Boonville Church. So today, I want, us to, I want us to think in those terms from the standpoint of our particular, our individual involvement in the saving of the soul. Whether I do that face-to-face, -face, whether I do that as a group, whether it is I contribute to a work that's being done by someone else in a far-off place. I want to know that I am doing my part to save a soul.
Now, I will tell you that sharing the gospel can be very intense. It can be, well, it can be difficult. But it can be oh so rewarding to those who are involved. So let's think for a minute now about the intensity of the matter. Paul says, but we, having been taken away from you for a short time in presence, not in heart, endeavored more eagerly to see your face with great desire. Oh, I love that. Having been taken away from you for a short time in presence, not in in heart. That word or a couple of words, short time there taken away from you for a short time comes from a word that can be translated in, I think it's, I think it's initially a kind of an awkward way, but when we, but when we examine it more deeply, we kind of get a better feeling of what he's talking about. Actually, that short time could be translated the span of an hour, the span of an hour. Now think about that statement for a minute, a span. (laughs) Usually when you think of a span or a season, you're talking about a a great deal of time, right? I talk to people about various things and they say, well, I'm in the season of this or that. I don't know if that's a modern way of talking, but they're saying I'm kind of in a, a big period of time where this is happening to me. Okay, the season, I get that. I'm conditioned to think seasons as with spring and summer and fall and winter. Uh, We recognize those as great periods of time. And he says, look, I I know that, that I was away from you for a short time in presence, a short time, the season of an hour. But I'm thinking, now wait, season, a big span of time, an hour, that's, that's a short period. The idea that's actually being expressed here is that, you know, physically, we weren't away from you for very long. But in my heart, that short span of time felt like an eternity away from you. I long so much, so deeply to be with you but I couldn't be. I I think about how that situation arose and I get a greater sense of it. For instance, actually the historical description of this event is found in Acts chapter 17. Now in that chapter, you have three different instances where Paul goes into a city. He uses different tactics, but the same gospel. So as he goes into Thessalonica or later he goes into Berea, you remember that place where he preached the gospel. Uh, They heard it. They wanted to make sure that what they were hearing was true. So they searched the scriptures daily to see if what he was saying was true. Remember that? And, And then later he goes into Athens and he actually gives an entire apologetic related to the true God of heaven against the contrast of those false gods, all represented there at Mars Hill. But here is the Apostle Paul in Thessalonica, the first 10 verses of this chapter. And as he goes in, the first thing he does, he goes to the synagogue. And he is preaching about 
the crucified Jesus, the Messiah that everybody had been waiting for. And he is having great inroads. He's preaching there at the synagogue for three consecutive Sabbath days. And while he isn't necessarily reaching many Jews in that location, boy, is he having effectiveness among the Gentiles. In fact, there are many Greeks who respond, not to mention all the women, but the Jews become very jealous, incited with envy, and they create a ruckus. There is a stir, and now the crowd is against Paul and want to take him. The charge is that he's preaching this Jesus as king in order to, you know, usurp Caesar's authority. Come on, seriously. But that's what they trumped up. They couldn't find Paul, but they did race against Jason and his household. They drug Jason out. We're going to do him harm, I'm sure. Eventually he is released, but Paul is ushered on to another city. Now, only mention all of that to kind of get our mind here. Paul had gone to Thessalonica. He had been preaching among people who at one time had been idolaters. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 9. But they had turned from those false gods, from those idols, to worship the true and the living God. Here are some folks who, not, not transitioning from Judaism, coming to terms with the Messiah and then recognizing Jesus, not that but people who had been serving false gods. He had worked with them. He had conditioned them such that now they believe in the true God of heaven. These are people who now have an understanding of what is right and they're holding on to it. They're fledgling believers in God, not to mention now understanding God's plan to bring about Jesus. It is, it is a great time. But now, abruptly, after three weeks, he's forced out of town. So he says, but we having been taken away from you for a short time in presence, not in heart, endeavored more eagerly to see your face with great desire. Oh, I just, I want so much to be back with you. How deep did that go? In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 at verse 7, Paul said, I cherished you like a nursing mother cherishes her own child. Okay. I remember Anita with our children. I'll tell you what. You wanted to hold them, that's fine. But if ever there were any kind of threat, ooh, very protective of the child. And you know, I'm obligated to mention Millie. So I think about Millie with her mother, our daughter, and that has continued. Everything that that family does, they think first about how will this affect our baby and especially the mother. Paul said, let me tell you how I felt about you. I cherished you like a nursing mother with that brand new infant cherishes her own child. That's the depth of connection he felt for them. He says in verse 11, he says, I exhorted you, I comforted you, I charged you like a father does his own children. 
So if it weren't enough that I just cherish you like, like a nursing mother does, the newborn child just won't hardly let that baby down. Let me tell you, as a father to you, it, it was like I, I, wanted to, I wanted to get you going. I wanted to see you walking on your own, but I was going to be right there in case you got off track. So I'm going to exhort you. I'm going to, I'm going to give you courage. I'm going to be right there to just charge you. I, I want to see you have success. I am invested in you. You know, after this short time, he felt this emotion. He felt this responsibility and connection. And I just ripped away from them as though they had become orphaned. And so much he wanted to be with them. Now, you're going to think I'm crazy here. But that's what I want us to have. When we hear the word missions, or when we hear that one of our brothers or sister in, in this congregation is having a Bible study with someone, will we catch wind of that? I want us to feel the same way. I don't want us to say, oh, well, I better get me one so I can compete with them. We'll make sure I have more studies than they do, as though it were a numbers game. Or, you know, I wonder how this missionary is doing compared to that one, as though it's just a business. I want us to think about the saving of the soul. This is a person who's been snatched out of the grips of, of definite uh, destruction. Uh, they're, like a, they're like a newborn baby. I just want to cherish them. And as they begin to walk, I, I want to be a part of that effort to establish them and see that they have great success. Whether it is a face-to-face -face Bible study that you're having, whether it is with a group, whether it is that we go far away into the world somewhere, let us have that same passion and intensity for the lost souls that you and I will be touching through these mission efforts. So it's intense, no doubt about that, but you know that sharing the gospel, it's also difficult. But it's not difficult for the reason that you might initially think. You say, yeah, Ken, it's difficult because honestly, I, you know, me sitting down doing a Bible study, blah, blah, blah. That's not what I'm talking about. You can be trained to do a Bible study. I'm talking about the difficulty that is beyond your control. He said, therefore, we wanted to come to you, even I, Paul, time and again, but Satan hindered us. Now, I'm glad that Paul said that he is a part of those that were hindered. I mean, Paul's an apostle of Jesus Christ. He does not say, you know what, I could have come to you if I wanted to because I'm an apostle. What can Satan do to me? But these guys couldn't get loose, so, you know, I delayed. Not that. Paul says, I wanted to come, but I couldn't because I was delayed by Satan. Now, that is a difficulty all of us are going to have to face. Satan is not your friend. You say, I know he's not my friend. We say that while at the same time acting or behaving very worldly. I mean, if someone were to try and distinguish us from another worldly person, in some cases that would be very difficult to do. So am I different from the world or not? 
Or is Satan already hindering me by worldly attractions? Now here's what Peter said about Satan. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8 and 9. He said, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that your sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. The same sufferings that you experience, everybody else is experiencing. So as all of us, boy, you say, well, I'm, I'm committed to this, Ken. I, I want to see people saved. That might be true. But if I'm giving myself over to Satan's influences, then how effective am I really being? The Bible says I have got to make a definite, considered effort to keep Satan away. Worldliness. You know, 1 John chapter 2, 15 and following. John makes it about as plain as anybody could. He said, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man loves the world, love of the Father is not in him. For all that's in the world, lust the flesh, lust the eyes, pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away. And the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. Oh, that's what I want. I want to abide forever. I, I, want to, I want to be on God's side. But he says, worldliness is what will take us away from that. It, it is very subtle, but it's having an effect, especially in our time. When everything has become so political. We talk about political correctness all the time. But in many cases, that is the difference between what is sinful and what isn't sinful. You can't even hardly call sin, sin anymore in a public setting. What in the world? Satan hindered us, he says, because Satan's a great deceiver. Second Corinthians chapter 11, verse three, he deceived Eve from the very beginning and he will corrupt the relationship that we are trying to have with Jesus. So I'd better... Be sure that I have some of that word-guided armor all over me. Ephesians chapter 6, beginning at verse 10. He says to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, take the shield of faith with which you'll be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Get your armor on. You say, well, I just want to save a soul. Yeah, but in order to save that soul, there has to be some personal preservation. Let's get ourselves right and then let's save a soul for Jesus. We're going to face all kinds of things in the study of God's word. There are going to be all kinds of situations of opposition. But trusting God and his word will give us 
the success that we need. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, beginning at verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God. The pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. And having a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. You get yourself right and you, you become empowered by the word of God to have success in tearing down every kind of argument, every kind of obstacle that Satan will put before us to stop the saving of a soul. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. That's sharing the gospel with someone. It's intense. Because we love them so much. And it's difficult. Because Satan doesn't want it to happen. But it's also, you know this, it is so, so rewarding. For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? For you are our glory and joy. You, the person who has responded to the gospel at my teaching, you're my glory and joy. What is my hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? It's you. That's true in this life, you know. You share the gospel with somebody, you be the person that leads someone to know the truth and to obey it. Man, there is nothing better. And the relationship that you build with them, it's, it's beautiful. It's, it's well nigh to what Paul described when he said about all that cherishing as a mother or all that oversight as a father. That's how you feel about someone when they obey the gospel that you presented to them. There's no doubt about that. That's a tremendous reward in this life. John said in that little teeny weeny one chapter book of third John, there near the end of your Bible in third John at verse four, he said, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in the truth. Don't you love that? There is no greater joy in my life, John says, than to hear that you're still walking in the truth. To know, in other words, you're still saved. When I hear that, oh man, there, there, is, there is nothing that fills me with greater joy. I think that's reciprocal. But not only does it happen in this life, you know it also happens in death. Our same book, 1 Thessalonians, at chapter 4, beginning at verse 13, Paul says, but I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. 
Oh, man, can you imagine being here when the Lord returns and being ushered up to be with them and all the redeemed of all time? What a reunion is that? I think, I think about Adrian today. I do. Because today is the day we have a memorial service where we, we say that we lay his body to rest. You know, somebody taught Adrian the gospel. Somebody. I don't know who it was, but I'm sure that they've already passed on from this life. So they had made an investment in Adrian, likely didn't know how that worked out. Adrian learned the gospel, and by all accounts, not only was he faithful, but he was diligent in his service to this church and to this community. Adrian did everything that he could as the investment had been made in him. And I, I can only imagine the incredible reunion that is going to be had between the person who shared the gospel with him and with Adrian, the thanks that he must have that that person actually shared it with him. Because in both cases, there is joy that is practically inexpressible. There is the joy on the part of that giver who shared the gospel with Adrian and now just the knowledge of a life well lived. Thank you, Lord, that I had the ability to teach that man because look at the good fruits. And then I think of Adrian. When he catches a glimpse of that person that loved him enough to share the gospel and become the instrument through which his soul could be saved, I can only imagine how thankful he would be that he now can experience the bliss of heaven. Great reward. Great reward. I liken it to what the old song used to say, stars in my crown. You have stars in your crown today. You know, we call this Mission Sunday. Uh, we're taking up contribution for missions. And I'm sure you'll be a part of that, but I'm thinking bigger things. I, I'm thinking, what, what have you done as a part of that mechanism of spreading the gospel, it may not be specifically that you taught somebody, but how were you involved in the process of someone being saved? If you can't quite put your finger on it, maybe there's some work yet to be done with you. If we need to pray about that today, let's do, okay? We want to encourage you. Maybe there's someone that's not obeyed the gospel, but you've learned the truth and you're ready you're ready to take on the responsibility of being a child of God. And today, you can be someone's joy and crown. If there's anybody who needs to respond today, now's your opportunity. Why don't you come if you need to while we stand and sing together. There is
some over on the right, my right hand side, I see. Anyone else? 
Tomorrow is Memorial Day, and of course, every first day of the week, we remember what the Lord has done for us. We remember that, according to the book of Romans, that we're all sinners. According to the prophet Isaiah, sin separates us from God. And uh, Hebrews, the ninth chapter, verse 22, tells us without the shedding of blood, we could not have remission of sins. So Christ was willing to come to this earth to suffer and to die that we could spend eternity with him in heaven. Would you bow with me? Our Heavenly Father, we are thankful for this uh, loaf, this bread that represents Christ's body that was broken on the cruel cross of Calvary. We pray that you would be with each of us, help us to center our minds on the sacrifice that was made there, that we might partake of this in a way that would be pleasing in your sight. These things we ask in Christ's name. Amen. You bow with me again while we offer thanks for the fruit of the vine. Our Heavenly Father, we're thankful for this, the fruit of the vine, which represents the blood that Jesus shed. Help us to realize the importance of, of that blood. Help us to realize without the blood that was shed there on the cross of Calvary that we would be without hope in this world. We're so thankful that he was willing to sacrifice himself on that cross that he was willing to shed his blood that we might have remission of our sins. Father, help us also to partake of this in a way that would please you as our prayer in Christ's name. Amen. That concludes the Lord's Supper. As uh, Kenny said, today is Mission Sunday. You have an opportunity to give. We've got, I think, places at all four outlets of the building here where you can drop off your check or cash or whatever you'd like to, to give. And even if you can't go uh, teach the gospel, you can assist in people's souls being saved by helping fund those that can go. And all the money that is collected today will be used for mission work. So would you pray with me? Our Heavenly Father, as we return a portion of all those blessings that you've blessed us so richly with throughout our life today, we pray that we might consider that most of the world is lost. And without the gospel, they are without hope. Help us to realize the importance of doing all that we can do to make sure that everyone possible can hear the gospel. Help us to give as we've prospered. Help us to give as we've purposed in our heart. And help us, help us to give realizing that uh, the sacrifice, the money that we give today will help carry the gospel to people possibly that would never hear the gospel without our effort. We pray, Father, that you would
continue to bless us all. These things we ask in Christ's name. Amen. say hey to you as you as you uh, leave the building today uh, as Ken mentioned uh, somebody told somebody something or introduced the gospel to somebody and this morning we had 107 of those type people at our morning service and then here at 1030 we've had 200 more so uh, never discount the little work that we can do um, if you would check your uh, bulletins if there's any left uh, we just still do have the um, um, the June 12th Vacation Bible School Day. Uh, so Ken has, uh, I mean not Ken, Stephen has just asked for if you're going, uh, planning to help, just to let him know so they can uh, arrange things. Um, we also have the uh, K through 6 food uh, family uh, get together, uh, which is going to be next Sunday. So uh, if you want to help with that, you can see uh, Guy and Amelia. And uh, of course, today we have uh, Adrian's funeral that will be here at 3, 3 o'clock today, and then uh, Gravesides out at Snowdown thereafter. Uh, and in uh, conjunction with that, I will have a card here to read. Um, and I'll read, just read the whole card because, uh, you know, that's what Hallmark likes for us to do. but. To all of you with warmest thanks, the heart remembers kind deeds and thoughtfulness. My heart remembers special people like you. Thank you so much. And Miss Connie writes, words can never express the thanks for all you have done for us. Thanks for all your prayers, cards, calls, the wonderful food. It means so much to be a part of this church family. Our love to everyone of you, the Adrian Edge family. So as we uh, depart today, let's carry on his legacy. And I'm sorry, guys. I'm just one of those kind of guys that's going to sometimes act tough. But when it gets down to it, uh, love just takes over sometimes. So let's go to God in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day that we can see how powerful your gospel is that affects lives and changes souls. Heavenly Father, as we go throughout the rest of this day, we ask that you would be with us to carry on the legacy that others have given to us. But more importantly, Father, as we think about what we accomplish and what we have done here on, on earth, the only thing we're really able to boast is that you are our savior. And we have hope for heaven. Be with us as we continue to be your servants. This is our prayer in your son's name, amen. <laughs>